Let's say you get a notification from the FDA saying that they want to conduct a remote inspection. What are you going to do? Where geographical barriers may once have provided a buffer between study teams and inspectors, the reality now is that you could be subject to inspection anywhere, at any time, and from any regulatory body. Today on the State of TMF, we're chatting with guests Joanne Malia from Regeneron and David Ives from Daylight Solutions and how you can lead your TMF team into high-pressure remote and hybrid inspection with a level head. The State of TMF is officially in session. Let's get into it. So welcome, everybody, uh, to uh, the sixth episode of State of TMF. And today we've got a really uh, exciting uh, and interesting topic um, that we're going to be talking about, which is remote and hybrid inspections. Um, and I think that this is definitely a, a very important topic for many of you. Um, today I'm, I'm joined by two very esteemed colleagues and uh, experienced uh, individuals who have gone through quite a few inspections and are going to share uh, some of that experience with you guys today. Um, so I'd like to introduce Joanne Ma uh, Malia, who's the Director of Clinical Documentation Management at Regeneron. Uh, welcome, Joanne. If you'd like to maybe just uh, give a, a quick introduction and maybe talk a little bit about your experience in remote inspections. Sure. Um, I've been in the industry um, for a number of years, both at sponsor and CRO companies, um, small biotech and um, some device companies and have been in, involved in inspections for many years. Um, while it's always um, interesting to hear about them, it's also very stressful to be in them. Um, so, you know, it's always um, interesting to hear what others have done to hopefully make the experience a little bit more pleasant and positive for all concerned. Great. Well, thank you, Joanne. Thanks for, for taking the time out to, to be with us today. And our other uh, guest is David Ives, who is Clinical Practice Lead uh, at Daylight Solutions. Welcome, David. And maybe just a quick intro and, and your experience with, with inspections and remote inspection. For sure. Thanks Thanks for having me, Paul. It's it's a really interesting topic. I've been involved with um, TMF inspections since the days where we go into the paper room and like, take the paper out, put it on the cart, wheel it in the room and say, here's your TMF. And it was kind of very limited to, to that type of engagement. But, you know, been in TMF operations uh, ever since then and have experienced probably more inspections to Joanne's point about how the, the stress level rises around them than I ever cared to have experienced. But uh, here we are. And over the past, you know, few years got exposed to a lot of those sort of remote uh, and hybrid um, inspections and they they definitely it changes the dynamic quite a bit so right. yeah we're looking forward to the discussion amazing thank you thank you thanks for being with us so i we i, I we've put a, a number of different topics that we want to cover today but um i really want to sort of get started around you know talking about how do we prepare um so you know you, you receive that notification fda or ema or or some other uh regulatory authorities has decided they're going to inspect you and they've said we're doing it remote what do you do you know how do you handle that what's the first thing you you, you start to do well in our case we usually get um pre-requests so there's a whole lot of documentation that we have to already um capture 
and provide um, over to the inspecting um, agency. Um, but then we reach out to our um, IT colleagues and try to make sure that um, we have really defined exactly what it is that inspection is going to involve and make sure for the TMF that those studies are available and that the inspector um, account is set up appropriately. Right. We also test it too. So yeah. I found that sometimes, uh, you know, while everyone's rushing to get ready for an inspection, uh, they sometimes forget a few things. So it's a, it's a really good thing to check it out before the inspector shows up. Right. And do they do they sort of um, do they typically ask for access before the inspection? They they want to see they want to get access to the system before they they start it. Or? In our case, it it sort of depends on the agency, um, but they have requested it before they come on site. Um, when that is the case, we do an orientation um, for them so that they understand how our TMF is set up. You know, not every vendor um, has the same functionality, even within certain um, vendors. Um, there may be unique ways of getting to information. So we do provide them with that and we give them that documentation for reference. So they're on their own. Um, they at least have some guidance so that they know what to do. Yeah. How about you, David? What's your what's your sort of uh, experience been when trying to sort of prepare? What are the main things you do? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing just to even step back like a little bit further, if I can, is is what's interesting. I think is like, you know, being a U.S. based company, I was used to like FDA could very well just show up, right? I've had that happen, or they'll be like, "Hey, we'll be there next week," because that was just super possible, right? Right. You didn't have a lot of like European inspectors say, hey, I'll be there next week because the logistics and all that. Uh, but one of the things I think has been interesting is like this sort of desire for transparency around what th these companies are doing, especially being pushed by, by uh, EMA and HRA, coupled with the removal of geographical barriers. It just equals like a quicker access point to these companies, right? So we, we had a scenario where not only was it sort of pretty short notice, but it was an inspectorate that none of us had ever thought would come inspect us. And we all kind of like seasoned the QA people and operations people looked around the group like, have you ever been inspected by these? No. So we had no idea what they were going to want, but just to get to the point of preparation to Joanne's point, you know, you kind of start with like, we think we're going to, they're going to maybe look at these studies. Sometimes they give you that lens pretty quickly, but in one of our cases, we had some with the CRO, some with us, some with another CRO. So it was a lot of logistics that had to be put in place. You know, the access, preparing, and then to, to Joanne's point, I think one of the key things that we always try to do is have that time, even if it's 15 minutes, to say, hey, we know you're used to this TMF technology, whatever. Like, here's some things that we've done differently and how to make it easier for you to operate. Right. And so... So just out of interest, how much notice did they actually give you this this agency that you'd never dealt with before? It was three weeks. So pretty I mean, you know, it's it's like for FDA, I guess there's probably a number of us that say, yeah, that, that's about right. But like for a European inspectorate, say we're coming in three weeks, be ready. Like yeah, pretty short. Yeah. I mean, I think also, I mean, it 
the, the approach is, is a little bit different, right, between the Europeans and, and the FDA in terms of how they conduct the inspection. So I, the Europeans, I think they, they, they're like, we just want everything. Yeah. Just give us everything. Whereas the FDA will actually ask for specific things, right, traditionally. Um, has that changed with remote inspections? So that the FDA also now is just saying, we'll just give us access to everything and, and we'll, we'll look at what we need to. Yeah. That's been our experience is that they, um, they want the, the universe and that we'll go and choose what they actually, um, want to look at, um, with one of our CROs who was inspected and it happened to be one of our studies that was chosen. So we were of course, very interested, Right. um, they, um, chose to look across all of these various studies. And then they looked at our TMF plan, and I think it was our safety monitoring plan. And based on that, decided, oh, um, I guess we're okay here. We're going to focus over here. Um, so they looked at other um, studies from other sponsors instead. So I guess, you know, they have to do some prioritization or, or yeah. maybe yeah. red flag hunting um, to see if it's really worth their while. Right. Well, it sounds like you had a really good TMF panel safety uh, plan. Oh, stellar. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so what about sort of the, you know, the preparation of the team? So obviously, um, you know, there's, there's IT, you need to contact IT to make sure we can get access and stuff. But what about all the teams that are potentially going to uh, participate in the inspection? And even, you know, your CROs, if the CROs are also involved in, and potentially even sites. How do you get all those people prepared? Is there, is there anything that changes when, it, when it's remote? Um, not a whole lot from the remote um, aspect, but for you know any type of inspection, um, we have an inspection management group that um, sort of helps people get prepared when we know that you know we're submitting. Um, right. So we want to make sure that everybody's understanding that this is a possibility. Uh, we do things with the TMF also, um, with our study teams to make sure that they are truly as complete as possible. So we do sort of a high level look and say, gee, um, you've got, you know, version one, two, and five of the protocol here. Do you have a few missing? <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we try to at least make sure that we understand the situation and, and if necessary, you know, storyboards or other types of documentation are, are created so that right. hopefully when the inspection comes, we are as prepared as we can be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just add to that sort of preparation point. One of the things I think is different remote <clears throat> in a, in a sort of more traditional, like physical inspection environment, most of us were trained to go in with like nothing but a business card, right? You just, uh, I've got, here I am. When you're on your computer, they know that. Right. And they very well might say, please log in and pull something up for me. Right. So I think it's prepping teams to understand that, like, that could be expected. And also, like, where do you, where do you sort of like, is there a line that you say, hey, I need to get my system expert or I need to answer this piece of it and pull somebody else? And I think traditional inspections, hybrid inspections, that, that type of thing is very difficult to do because it's high pressure. Right. They want the answer they want. But I do think it's it's a little bit different because you're in front of your computer, right? 
and, right. and just being cognizant of that, right? So if you're in the TMF, for example, and you're showing something, and Spectre says, Joanne's point, where's uh, version four? You go, oh yeah, hold on, I got that. And you pull up SharePoint. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just, you just sold it right there. So I think it's being aware of the access that it gives right. vectors, you know? Right. Well, um, in addition to that, I think it's very interesting because, you know, as um, we all have an electronic TMF, um, it's very easy then to follow and see where they're going. Right. So you can actually, you know, look and say, oh, they touch this and they touch that and they touch this. Right. And um, I think at times some of the inspectors were actually surprised that we were actually doing that. And I haven't heard of anybody who doesn't. So it's oh, cool. <laughs> but they want us to have full traceability in our systems, right? And activity logs and all of that stuff. So of course we're going to look at it. You know, right. have to review it. So yeah, no, that is interesting. Yeah. And you know, so so obviously um, access to the system. I mean, the ETMF typically we're able to grant them direct access. They can go in and log in and and, and navigate on their own. Um, what about other systems? You know, if they want to look at, you know, the Tronco Vision system or the EDC or IRP, you know, how do you manage that? Well, in those cases, we've spoken to the um, business owners of those systems so that they um, have told us, um, okay, we, we're happy to, you know, show them um, the system. Um, some of them, um, they would prefer to give a driver rather than just to give full access. And yeah. So far, they've been, um, or the in inspectors have been okay with that. Um, you know, obviously, when you're going into the safety system, there would be lots of information there that, you know, probably doesn't apply in this right. um, specific case. Or even if you were looking at like um, data management or, or stats where they have the actual data sets and stuff, it could get quite confusing. So, yeah. Um, so far, um, that has been the approach. Right. So you have like members of those teams standing by ready to, to show the inspector. Is that, is that your experience as well, David? Yeah, I think, um, apart from even the remote or not remote, it's, it's some of those groups potentially still don't even feel like they're part of the TMF. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think starting there with that prep as early as possible, like you are part of this, like, and here's what this means. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, especially for like a safety system in particular, my experience has been that like the people who do those sort of like over the shoulder type demos, they know those systems so well. It goes really smoothly. Um, but I do think there's there's sort of foundational questions of access for related things. And I'd be curious, you know, what Joanne, what you guys do. So, for example, when you've got your CTMS and your ETMF, and they're both in the same system. Inspectors know that, right? It's all you know, it's cases very connected. And so it's almost a bit awkward if you say, well, hold on, let me go get that from someplace because they know you're just get it from that same yeah. side. So yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we've, we created, and it was intentional. We said, okay, well, let's do this sort of just TMF view that that's where we're feeling this inspection is going to be. We'll go with that. Mm -hmm. But if that inspector wants access to sort of the world, then let's give them a sort of more connected 
view to the system. So I don't, right. I don't know, Joanne, if you've had similar experience, but it, it seems to be like it's always this, you know, sort of game that you try to play. I don't want to call it a game. No, none of us are trying to play games, but you know, you, you don't want to necessarily expose things you don't need to. Right. 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 Um, yeah. We tend to keep them right in the TMF. Um, the documentation of the TMF really points to those other locations, um, but only the other locations where there would be information that would um, support the TMF. So um, I don't believe we had any um, for like a CTMS. Um, so that sort of keeps them sort of contained, right. if you want to call it that. Um, we did have a situation with one of our CROs at one point where we had everything all set up. Um, and apparently they had an internet glitch at their location and the, um, they had to give them, um, a, a different look and into a different instance. And they decided to use, uh, one of the TMF, um, people's, um, access so they could see a lot more. Um, but luckily, um, the inspector stayed focused as to what they were really there to look at, not all the interesting things that they might have seen on the screen. Um, so, you know, they they at least were focused on that and, you know, no ac accidents happened, but um, it was sort of a little concerning. Uh, I mean, I think if you're if you're using like CTMS for things like monitoring user reports and stuff like that, then it might be useful to have like a profile in the, an inspector profile set up um, and ready to go kind of thing. And I think that's what you were alluding to, there, um, where you know they go in and they're just going to see what's TMF relevant, nothing else. Yeah. Um, and then even some of the other systems, it could also be interesting to have that kind of setup as well. Um, do you typically, I mean, if, if there are sort of key records in, in other systems, do you sort of typically copy them over or you just have, um, like signposts where you can access? We typically have signposts unless it's something that is really, um, important. So for example, maybe with our learning management system, um, we might put the, a report into the TMF rather than, um, make the inspector get access then and okay. take visual records like a listing of training that, that occurred and stuff right. yeah that makes sense and then worst case if they want to see the traceability they can always go with a driver into that system and yeah. yeah yeah i'm just going to add to that it's like one of my favorite things to do and it's not training it's just a couple minutes that, as i said at sort of initial meeting is saying inspector please go find the TMF index. And I understand not everybody's using index, you know, these days it's in a system, et cetera, but whatever you let's find this key, please sort of favorite that so that they, they, they have that ready access. Because I do think that a lot of us still use that as the sort of key to those signposts. We're not putting stuff in the TMF that says, go look here. Right. Some people do, but you know, it's, it's really the, the index is still the key. So you're, um, it's just, I think good practice to sort of like help them, figure out again an easy way to use the tml even if they're sort of familiar. yeah i mean in terms of training i mean obviously it's ideal if we can we can give them a training session so they know exactly how to use the system 
But have you sort of got any pushback on that? I know that they've been quite vocal, uh, especially the MHRA, and they're like, you know, no more than 10 minutes. You know, we don't want to spend much time doing training. I mean, what's your experience been with, with training inspectors? Have they been receptive? Yeah, it's been interesting because um, they gave us that same line of, okay, yeah, we, we know the TMF. We know <laughs> that um, um, just give us 10 minutes. And then 45 minutes later, um, you know, you're just winding down. And um, so I think um, while it's, I understand their point, you know, they don't want to spend all this time doing things that they already know. They've got valuable time on site, so they need to get right to it. Um, but I think if you can give them tips and tricks that will help them down the road and yeah. make their life a little easier, um, they're all in favor of that. Yeah. I think we, we had created a inspector reference card. Mm-hmm. We just get, and it's just like one sheet, yeah, sure. the really top line stuff that we thought would be useful for them. Yeah. The other the other interesting thing is if you're find yourself in an inspection scenario where you have multiple systems, that gets even more frustrating, right? Because and it, it's it's even worse if it's multiple systems with the same technology provider. Because now you got to remember which right. domain you're logging into. So like stuff like that, like even just putting out in their reference card, like your inspector, your login for this one is this. Your login for this one is that. Because it, it can be frustrating and any any way you can reduce that frustration is good. But the other thing is interesting is that I think this is evolving to your point, Paul, like standardization around this. I and I'm not gonna pick on them by name, but like there are definitely still some CRO partners that still feel like you need to go through thirty minutes, forty minutes of their training, then you're asking for the sponsors version, right? It's it's too much. So we, we had to work quite closely with our CRO partner to sort of bend their norm to say, look, we're not, we're not doing that. And we'll sign whatever you want to says that that's okay. We're, we're not going to do it. You know? Yeah. No. And I think, I mean, also, I mean, you know, the, 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 the way that we sort of manage the index is, is evolving, you know, it's becoming a lot more standard. And as we, you know, we've seen the reference model become a formal standard. And evolve. I think that you know definitely that the, it's going to become sort of you know second nature for the uh, the inspectors to to go through a TMF and understand it. Um, so that I think is is a positive thing. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about you know there's obviously the TMF. There's the the Connex systems uh, around the TMF that have TMF relevant information. But what about the other tools that we that we use for nice inspection you know, for for conducting interviews and preparing, you know, the fullness back room and all of that stuff. What do you guys use for that? And do you feel that what you have is sufficient? I don't know. Well, we make do, I guess. Okay. <laughs> make it work. Right. Um, we've had um, telecommunications um, software that we use for those. Um, we also use Teams for um, some of the you know, recording of requests and back room and, and stuff like that. Um, is it ideal? Probably not. Um, but, you know, it, it's certainly a lot better than it used to be when everything was done with paper and pencil or, you know, on a whiteboard someplace. Yeah. So um, you you make do. So it's interesting. You're using Teams for 
their request. So they, if they're looking for a specific document, they'll just put it into Teams chat. Or we have somebody, you know, put it in for them. Right, right. Okay. And and for interviews, you're also using Teams? We're using some telecommunication um, okay. vehicle. You know, like the Teams, it could be others. Um, so it depends on, you know, the um, inspection. Right. And one, so, you know, I was thinking about this session today and the fact that we're recording it, obviously, for the audience so that they can listen to it later on. Um, and it sort of came to me, you know, do we actually, do you ever record the interviews that are conducted? No, they weren't in that way. We, I don't think we get actually even asked. Um, we yeah. just, yeah. He haven't, um, yeah. but it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I need to come back to it. You know, I've been talking about sort of yeah, following what they're doing and traceability and stuff. Can be yeah, like, I'm not sure they would agree to it. They probably, yeah. Would, but, yeah. but you know, you think about that, like the value of that, right? It's like remote or otherwise. How many times do you go into a room with two or three people? You have the exact same conversation with the inspector, and those two or three people come out. And it's totally different interpretation. Right. <laughs> I saw like, no, they want to look at this. No, they want that. And it's like, you know, so actually I personally, whether it's a forum or otherwise, I, I think MHRA still has their little forum meetings, right? I like it when they do that because then it's like clearly articulated and we're not interpreting that. Right. right. And so, you know, I, this is, as you say, Paul, we're thinking about this, this, this topic. I was thinking about, um, you know, the other tools. Right. And so like, we're sort of forced to use other tools to varying degrees of success, whether it's Zoom, Teams, whatever. But like, I still think there's an opportunity for the TMF itself to facilitate someone. Right. So like, even if it's like, you know, a technology vendor potentially uh, building in a simple request process, I'm here, flag, send to, here's my question. Right. I think inspectors and sponsors, we would all love that because yeah. It's like direct connection to a specific document and they can sort of, you know, code what they think is the, the question there. So, I, and maybe, I don't know, Paul, if maybe something you guys are already looking at or have already um, We We are, we are. <laughs> we are we're actually doing some workshops over the summer uh, to uh, to establish, you know, requirements and things around that. So trying to build out a better tool set for, for inspection management. And it's not just about the conduct of the, the inspection, it's also the preparation of the inspection. So like having, you know, like a, like if we have a, an agenda for the inspectors, well, let's put it into the system and let's start preparing yeah. uh, around that agenda as a team. You know? So I definitely, I think that there for sure is uh, a, a very interesting opportunity for us as vendors, but also as an industry to build out better tools and, and facilitate um, this whole thing. Right. And, and, and I think it's definitely something that's lacking because, you know, remote inspections prior to COVID, there were some, but it wasn't that often. It wasn't very commonplace. Um, and then all of a sudden COVID happened and and, and all, you know, all hell was there loose. And, and we sort of scrambled around trying to sort of, you know, adapt to the new norm in many different areas. And, you know, inspections was one of them. And I think we focused a lot on providing remote access to our clinical systems, but we didn't really focus that much on the, the rest of the tools that were, were required, you know. And so I think that that time is now, I think, you know, definitely as a software vendor, we're thinking very carefully about that area because it's important, you know. Mm. So, yeah, interesting. 
Um, I'm going to move us on a little bit. We have uh, we have about 15 minutes um, left. Um, just keeping an eye on questions as well. So just to uh, remind us to the audience, if anybody has questions, uh, do feel free to uh, to put them in the Q&A or the, the webinar chat. Um, we do have one uh, question from Jane Marie Johnson, um, which I'm going to put to you guys. In the event of an auditor uh, having direct remote access to the ETMF with a limited access role, the audit trail serves as a type of recording. Okay, so it's more of a statement than a question, but yeah. Yeah. So, so I suppose even if you're not recording the session, you can still sort of reconstruct more or less what they were looking at through the audit trail. Yeah, I guess it would also be how easy it is to interpret the audit trail also, but that is effectively where we get the report of where it yeah. actually goes. So yeah, it can be very helpful. Well, especially to know what they they did look at them and more importantly what they didn't look at you know if you have observations well you guys didn't even look at that so I mean, yeah. you need to look at it yeah um uh, you know we spoke about sort of uh, zoom and 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 you know the teams and things like that are there other tools that you guys would really like to have which would just make your life so much easier when it comes to to remote inspections yeah, I think something that would, um, you know, handle the requests and the completeness of those requests um, is really yeah. be helpful. Um, so, and it would be great if it could be at least partially shared um, with the inspector because we've noticed at times, you know, as um, David was saying. You know, people go into the room and come out with different stories of what the inspector actually wanted. We've had situations where when the inspector actually sees what supposedly they had requested, oh, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> so they clarify on, you know, uh, on top of the request exactly what they needed, um, which can be very, very helpful. Uh, yeah. I, you know, in addition to that, then one of the things that we're sometimes asked and usually it's one of the first requests is um, to see the upload timeliness of that specific study in um, the tmf so they like to watch for that spike um, that occurs as soon as the um, inspection has been announced they hope you know everybody knows that that happens but you would like to see that it's just a little spike, not like right. look the document or put in there um, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, oh, to your, to your point about like other things, I mean, well, first of all, there are some tools out there that, that do this. I know a uh, previous organization, we had a huge advocate, one of them, I won't mention the name, but, um, who had used it prior organization to like great success because it was capturing all the moving pieces and as, as Joanne's point, sort of like the workflow engine around a request, because it's not just, I suppose, I'm inspector requests, somebody answers, it goes back. You always have that sort of step of qualification yeah. that has to include your QA folks. It has to include your business folks, because sometimes, you know, I, I mean, just give you an example is inspector had asked a similar question around the sort of um, metadata around the document. And said, "I'd like to see your audit trail." And in this particular system, I was like, "You do not want to see the audit trail." <laughs> but, 
they, the, the, the QA team, you know, bless their hearts, was like, give them the audit trail. They asked for an audit trail. I said, I'm going to suggest we do not do that. And we instead give them the history of this document, right? And that's what the inspector wanted. Right now, sometimes they really do. They don't care. They want to see that huge data dump of audit trail. Yeah. You know, good luck. But I, I feel like it's having that workflow built into that technology or that process to help support it. Um, and then the other thing is, is like, and I'm not really sure how do you make this better, but when you have that sort of virtual back room, you're kind of like waiting for somebody to invite you in and then maybe they're staging you and putting you into to some other space. But a lot of times what happens is that chat function in the sort of current tools that we have, Zoom and, and Teams, you kind of like, you, you can lose the thread of who's chatting with who. And it's not like actually shared in any meaningful way unless you have like side chats going on. Right. So so it's sort of having the ability to sort of like group chat on important topics um, and connect your sort of side chats, I think is, is yeah. interesting. I mean, if you look at sort of, you know, the virtual conference software, you have like all the like these, you know, these abilities to have like breakout rooms and they've actually got quite good at managing these kind of virtual, like, uh, you know, locations, if you like. So maybe that's, a, you know, we could look to, towards what they're doing to see if we could bring that to to remote inspections, you know, have that kind of technology. Um, I think also the, you know, it was interesting, the the, the whole audit trail thing, and uh, I think everybody kind of gets a, a cold sweat on, right, when you, when you hear that word. But um, I think that you know, one thing that we're looking at doing is is sort of building out more more sort of timeline based on the audit trail and the activity log and the history and, and milestones and trying to kind of bring all of that together um, in a timeline so you can look at a timeline for a document or look at a timeline for a site uh, or a country or even like the main timeline of the study uh, or a particular area of the study. And just to make it easier to sort of tell the story remotely, especially if they're accessing on their own. Um, and then that even sort of feeds into sort of, you know, storyboarding and, and being able to produce storyboards directly in the TMF uh, and, and, and link to artifacts from that storyboard. So it just becomes a lot easier to tell, tell the story and, and use storyboards more in fact, because right now, Quite often storyboards are in a PowerPoint, right? And and they're sort of they're, they're talking about very specific, you know, problems or issues and they want to sort of highlight. But um, I think we could go further. Definitely mm -hmm. uh, use technology more for that. Um I want to talk a little bit now about um hybrid inspections. So obviously, you know, some inspections are fully remote, but there are also hybrids. Um in your experience, um, when you have a hybrid uh, inspections. What are, what are they actually doing on site versus what are they doing remotely? Is, is there kind of a, a pattern or is it just, you know, different each time? Well, I think if you talk to the inspectors, they still seem to really like doing things in person. Right. So I think they get a feel for, uh, I don't know how to really put this, but sort of honesty of the person, you know? Right. Um, you get a better picture of the multi-dimensional person rather than, okay, here's a flat screen with somebody's mouth moving um, yeah. on there. Um, so I think they get that feeling um, 
And that's what they're really trying to do when they come on site so that, you know, if there are some things that um, the individual um, can um, supply or th that the inspector really needs some, you know, to sit next to somebody to really look at, uh, that's what they're looking at. And they'll make do with those other um, hybrid situations, or then they'll go back to um, their hotel room and, and read documents. Because we've yeah. had that in the past where inspectors, they didn't want a pile of paper. Um, mm -hmm. They wanted, you know, they give you this thumb drive and say, can you put it all on here so I can look at this um, in my hotel room? And I'm like, oh my gosh, now your heart starts having palpitations at that point. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that sort of trust factor, Dre, because actually it triggered something in my mind. I was like, you know, that can kind of work in the reverse as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's something like I love being remote personally. I, th I think it's wonderful. I, I think, you know, I've implemented systems remote. Like it's, it's worked fine. But there is something nice about, especially in an inspection scenario, because in, for a lot of folks, especially who've never been through it, it's an intimidating situation. Like right? you're like a authority figure coming to question what I've done. Right. Really, there are people too. They want to understand that you've done the right things along the way, and that you're trying to do the right thing because they're trying to protect, you know, patients. Right. Like so, we should all be aligned with that's fundamentally a good thing. But I just think back to a scenario with one of my previous MHRA inspections where it was sort of this like traditional environment, like. You're here, we're there. And then we sort of break for lunch. And the inspector said, like, hey, do you guys want to have lunch with us? And we we're like, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you get to build some rapport with them. And that's that's of some benefit. Whereas if if you're just popping up on a screen every once in a while, there's really probably not much rapport. And you know, so it's like mm -hmm. I don't know, it's interesting. It's interesting you know, talked about that trust because I think it could be work working both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think if you're sitting in the room with them, you get to see their reactions and you know, it's just a lot easier to gauge them, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, and then, yeah, have you, have you had experiences where um, there's been remote inspections of sites? And and if so, how did that go? Or have they, have they always sort of gone on site to, to uh, inspect sites? I think most of... Um situations we've had have been on site uh, there have been i think some um during the pandemic where they you know did it remote um but i think um most of the ones now um that we're involved with are um yeah uh, you'll say yeah but we had, well, I was going to say we had one that it was, it was an interesting situation because it was actually a local health authority inspect and pick a site in person but they wanted us like on call but they're like you don't need to come here we're just going to have you in this sort of like room remotely and you can just wait for us to ask you questions i mean at the end of the day everybody was like ah, running around trying to figure out how to do this but it it was fine they only had minimal amount of questions but it was sort of uh it was unique because like i said it was a local health authority it's yeah site not necessarily a national health so let's maybe just um, start to wrap up a little bit and talk a little bit about um, you know once the inspection has occurred. So um, 
what's your experience in terms of sort of terminating access to the system? Do they do they typically say, "Oh, can I just keep my access for a few more weeks?" Or you know, how does that work? Yeah, um, I think one of the ones from Europe, we actually gave them access for about four months. Oh wow! Because they didn't want they wanted to make sure they had access. Um, through the time that they were generating their report. So they didn't want to give it up just in case they needed to to look something up or reference something. And were they very, were they very active in the system? Did you see that they were not? Okay. <laughs> but I think it was more a security blanket type thing of yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sort of similar experience where it was like a very long time for them to ask for access. In fact, in one case, they said, we'll tell you when we don't need it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, it was a live study, right? So you're right, like, right. Uh, but it was fine because at the end of the day, we were running those reports every day, as Joanna's talking about. And I got to a point where the team was like, why are you still sending me these? They're not looking at anything, you know, but right. we were just checking to be sure. Um, and actually, I think they were doing that before remote inspections. We, we had an on-site inspection where they left and said, keep our access live until we're done with our report. So okay. um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's probably a different for each inspector. But uh, I've gotten quite used to expecting that they're going to access early access and some sort of sustained access. Yeah. I mean, I imagine also if there are, if there are certain observations which require you to produce additional documentation to demonstrate that actually you are compliant. Um, you would probably provide them access again just so that they can go and see that. Well, oh, yeah. 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 Right. <clears throat> and I think, you know, the, the other, we were talking about tools earlier as well, and I think that that could also be interesting if, it, if there are observations that they're recorded uh, in the system and that we can actually even answer them in the system. That could be kind of neat and then linked to, uh, link to artifacts. Well, then it, they could just come in, they can see their observations, they can see that actually, no, we're all good, we've got everything we need, and here it is. Uh, make it crystal clear. Yeah, even doing that in, in your Zooms or Teams environment, I would be a big advocate of that, right? So, like, we were trying to do that where we'd send it back to the inspector and say, per request number 32, and link right to that documented yeah. map so they knew and could look at the history of it. When did this, did this yeah. just show up magically, or was this always here? So, no. Yeah. It's like, tra like you know, tracking your troughs inspections. It could be kind of interesting because after a while, you would start to actually get quite a lot of information about not only you know, what is the inspector typically looking at, but also what were the observations based on what he looked at or what she looked at, um, and then how did we resolve them? And and you know, maybe we can even sort of do trending on that. See, you know, maybe we're systematically getting these same same observations. Maybe we need to do something a little bit different. Right. I don't know if um, agencies would actually put their concerns about a document into like RTMS. No, I don't think they would. I think they would still they would still issue you a uh, you yeah. know letter or, or a report or whatever. But then you could then transcribe that. Oh, so. okay, I see. Yeah. yeah. Which is I kind of, I think you you know typically you you sort of transcribe it into an Excel spreadsheet or whatever, so like yeah. so that you can post yeah. observations, right? So. But instead of doing that, maybe you put it directly into the term if you have the tool set to do it. Uh -huh. Which right now we probably don't, but hopefully at some point in the future yeah. you. Well, it gives so, you that, it gives you that history as well, right, Paul? Like yeah. it, I, 
I, I think that's hugely valuable because most organizations, people change, right? Right. You come with the same inspector and all that history is where, you know, it's like, I think there's huge value in that. Um, yeah. There's, there's also, I don't know how you're doing out of time, Paul. I can't really just see my clock. No, no, we're fine. We, we've got a few extra minutes so I can uh, add some time. <laughs> yeah, because there, there's an interesting question, which I actually feel like in the right company could be a debate <laughs> uh, from CJ, who's asking about uh, giving inspectors access, permissions to view all the approved documents versus documents in process to be rejected. Can you call that access to quality issues? So I would just say I've had this very debate many times. My personal view is just give them access because they know the system works like that. If you can show that your process is effective and you're catching things, that's not really a bad thing. Yeah. But I know I've been in organizations where I presented that and at the end of the day, we, we did not show. We said only approved. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is an interesting interesting point. Like, where do you draw that line? Yeah. yeah. Now, we give access to approved documents that are prepared to give um, to documents that are um, in draft if necessary. Yeah. Um, we figured let's not waste their time looking at maybe a document that shouldn't even be in the DMF um, or um, one that may have issues um without the chance of fixing it before they see it so yeah but he's case, case by case basis kind of thing mm. yeah i think that that makes a lot of sense so i think they are interested in you know looking at drafts and helping to develop and they've got specific questions great um so I, I i've got one last thing that i want to ask you guys um so if you could sort of Specify, you know, what's what's the pros and cons of, of remote inspections? What would you say? Um, I think um, for pros uh, of a remote um, inspection, I think it's less stressful. Okay. Um, and for cons, you don't get that rapport, as David said, or that feeling of um, really getting to know the inspector. Um, they're just a computer screen, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Mm. How about you, David? Yeah. Those are pretty good ones from Joanne. I know, I look at all that. I would say it's interesting. So from a pro perspective, I feel like for a global sponsor in particular, it gives you an ability to sort of monitor and adapt your strategy and response like in real time in a way that you never could before. Right. But like traditionally, if you had an inspection in the UK, you pick the five or six people that are going to fly there. And that was kind of, we hope they do good. <laughs> so when you have that ability to leverage the sort of technology that we have, you can pull somebody from Japan. You can pull somebody from wherever and add to the conversation in a way that builds credibility. Right. So, so I think being able to monitor and adapt is, is certainly a pro. I think the con a little bit is that it's, it really opens the book. Right. But like, I don't personally think we should be afraid of that. Um, I think we, we can actually, from a, I'm going to very selfishly from like a TMF professional standpoint, say we can leverage that. <laughs> right. Because like, if the book is sort of always open, maybe that's where this ends up. It puts more sort of accountability on your TMF process, right? 
And it's not just a clit ops thing. It's a, it's a whole organizational commitment that needs to be in place to have a quality TMF. So I think, um, you know, but it is a bit of a con because if you, if you've got four months of access, like Joanne said in her case, and you're running a live study, that's yeah. a pretty open book, right? <laughs> I think, I think is it's, I think they're here to stay at remote inspections or remote access. And I think it will become more frequent. I think that's what will happen over time, especially as yeah, there's, Studies are changing a little bit as well. We're seeing more and more of these kind of like very long continuous studies where you're sort of, you know, switching arms and doing all sorts of fairly creative designs. And I think that, you know, that will mean that, you know, we'll, we'll start to get into the situation where maybe there's even continuous access at one point. Which, yeah. <laughs> How have you been about that? CTIS um, in Europe, our, we're sending a lot of information in. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, gee, I wonder if, you know, this is be going to become a trend so that we'll effectively have the TMF already there. On yeah. The, so, yeah. No, I think, I think also with, you know, standardization again, you know, uh, you know, ICH is very interested in, in standardization around the, the TMF. You know, there's, there's definitely been groups looking at it. So, um, It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Right. right. Guys, unfortunately, we have come to time, and um, it was a really, really engaging conversation. I'm so glad you guys could could join us today uh, and bring your experiences to uh, to the group and to the audience. To the audience, thank you very much for, for joining us, for taking uh, some time out of your day. Hopefully, this was uh, beneficial to you, gave you some ideas. Um, if you do have uh, any questions, you know, follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to to us at Montreal and we can also field them to Joanne and David. So David and Joanne, thank you very, very much. Uh, have a great rest of the week and have a great summer. And uh, thank you to the audience as well. Bye. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The State of TMF a live event and podcast brought to you by Montreal, the leaders in clinical quality and regulatory solutions for scaling life science organizations. If you liked today's episode, hit the subscribe button, view the full episode with video on YouTube, and follow us on LinkedIn for more great content coming from Montreal soon. See you next time.